Chapter 10 of The Old, Old Fairy Tales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Old, Old Fairy Tales by Laura Valentine. The Story of Prince Tito. There was once upon a time a king named Gange, who was a great miser. When he wished to marry, he sought for a wife, not a good or clever woman, but a princess who had a great deal of money and liked to save it. He succeeded in finding this treasure, a miserly and wealthy wife. They had two sons. The elder was called Tito, the younger Mirtillo. Tito was a charming child, pretty and engaging, but the king and queen took a strong dislike to him when they saw him sharing his toys with other little children. Mirtillo would rather let his bonbons spoil than give them away. He put away his playthings for fear of spoiling them by playing with them, and when he held anything in his hand, he clasped it so closely that even in sleep it could not be taken from him his parents consequently adored this little reflection of themselves the princes grew up and for fear tito should spend his money the king gave him none one day as tito was hunting one of his attendants riding swiftly up to him knocked down an old woman who fell into the mud and cried out loudly that her leg was broken but the young squire who had caused the accident only laughed. Tito indignantly reproached his attendant for being so unfeeling, sprang off his horse, and went with his favorite page, Iveyi, to the aid of the unfortunate woman. They raised her, and, taking each an arm, led her back to her little cottage which was near the spot. The prince was in despair at having no money to give the poor creature to atone for the injury done her. Of what use is it to be a prince when one has not the power of doing good, he said bitterly. My prince, replied Iveille, I have a crown which is at your disposal. Thank you, Iveille. I will borrow it and pay you when I am king, said Tito. I accept your crown for this poor woman. When Tito returned to the court, the queen, who had heard of the accident, reproved him for debasing himself by giving personal help to a beggar. Madam, replied Tito, I think a prince is never greater than when he is doing good. You are a simpleton for thinking so, exclaimed his mother. The next day, under pretense of hunting, Tito rode to the cottage to ask how the old woman was. He found her well, and she thanked him for the charity he had bestowed on her. "'I have a favor to ask of you, my prince,' she added. "'I have some nuts and medlars, which are very good. I beg you to eat some of them.' The prince did not like to refuse, lest the old dame should think that he despised her humble offering. He tasted the nuts and medlars, and found them excellent. "'Since you like them,' said the dame, do me the honor of taking the remainder for your dessert. At that moment, a hen clucked. The woman ran into the yard and brought in a new-laid egg, 
which she begged the prince also to accept he received her gifts very kindly fearing lest he should hurt her feelings if he refused and gave her in return four guineas that Ivier had brought him from his father who was a rich country gentleman the prince on his return home ordered them to give him the egg and nuts for his supper but on breaking the egg he was astonished to find in it a large diamond the walnuts and medlars were also full of diamonds the attendants were very much astonished and some of them ran at once and told the queen of this singular discovery she hastened at once to her son's room and was so charmed at seeing the diamonds that she kissed tito and called him her dear son for the first time in her life will you give me these diamonds she asked all that i have is at your service my mother replied the generous son you are a good boy exclaimed the queen i shall reward you for your kindness she went off with the diamonds and soon after sent the prince four guineas neatly folded in a piece of paper the prince's attendants exclaimed loudly that they wondered the queen was not ashamed to send only four guineas in return for a gift of the value of five hundred thousand pounds but the prince checked them with a frown and ordered them to leave the room for their want of respect to their sovereign the queen meanwhile said to ganguet it is plain that the old woman tito helped is a powerful fairy we must go and see her to-morrow and we will take mirtillo with us for i don't wish her to make a favorite of this stupid boy who throws away diamonds so she ordered the carriages to be cleaned and that some horses should be hired for they kept none of their own to save expense they filled one of the two carriages with physicians surgeons and apothecaries and the royal family went in the other when they had entered the old woman's cabin the queen told her that she had called to apologize for the thoughtlessness of her son's squire my son she added has not the sense to choose good attendants but i shall order him to discharge that brutal young man then she told the old woman that she had brought the cleverest doctors in the kingdom to cure her injured foot the old woman answered that her foot was quite well and that she was much obliged to her majesty for her kindness in coming to see her a poor old woman oh said the queen but we know that you are a great fairy for you have given prince tito a quantity of diamonds i assure you madam replied the woman that i only gave the prince an egg and some walnuts and medlars i have a few more at the service of your majesty if you will deign to accept them i accept them gratefully said the queen who was charmed at the hope of getting more diamonds she received the nuts and embraced the old woman and the courtiers following her example paid great court to the peasant the queen asked her age i am sixty she answered you don't look forty said the queen you ought to think of marrying for you are really very amiable prince mirtillo who was very badly brought up burst into a loud laugh when he heard his mother speak thus 
and said that he hoped he should have the pleasure of dancing at her wedding but the good woman did not seem to perceive that he was making fun of her then the royal visitors took leave of her and drove home the queen instantly sent the egg to be cooked broke the walnuts and opened the meddlers but instead of finding diamonds she found a little chick in the egg and the walnuts and medlars were full of worms the queen flew into a great passion that old woman is a witch she cried who has ridiculed and mocked me i will have her put to death she assembled the judges to try the old woman but eville who had heard it all hurried to the cabin to save the poor peasant good morning page of old women she said laughing for thus the courtiers had named him since he had pulled her out of the mud ah my good mother said eville hasten to seek safety in my father's house he is an excellent man he will hide you willingly but if you remain here you will be seized and put to death i am much obliged to you for your kindness said the old woman but i do not fear the wicked queen and she suddenly changed from an old woman to a beautiful fairy eville was dazzled by her loveliness and would have thrown himself at her feet but she prevented him i forbid you she said to tell the prince or any one else what you have seen but i wish to recompense your charity ask me therefore for a gift madam said the page i dearly love my master prince tito to serve him i will ask of you a great gift enable me to become invisible so that i may know who are his true friends among the courtiers and protect him from their plots for he has cruel enemies i grant you this gift said the fairy but now i must pay tito's debts did he not borrow four guineas from your father he has returned them madam he thinks that it is shameful for princes not to pay their debts he returned the four guineas the moment the queen sent them to him i know that said the fairy but the prince is unhappy because he could not acknowledge the loan by a gift and it is that debt which i wish to pay take this purse which is full of gold carry it to your father and tell him he will always find the same sum in it provided that he only takes money from it to do good actions the fairy then disappeared and eville carried the purse to his father and besought him to keep it secret the judges called by the queen to try the old woman were meantime greatly embarrassed and said to her for what can we try this poor woman she has not deceived your majesty she told you that she was poor and had no diamonds the queen was furiously angry and said if you will not condemn this wretch who has mocked me and put me to the expense of hiring horses and paying doctors you shall repent it the judges thought to themselves the queen is a very wicked woman if we disobey her she will find means to kill us it is better that an old woman should perish than that we should so 
they condemned the old woman to be burned alive as a witch there was one judge however who would not agree to this verdict he said that he would rather be burned alive himself than condemn an innocent person a few days afterward the queen found false witnesses who declared that this good judge had spoken against her his office was taken from him and he his wife and children were reduced to beggary but Evier took a large sum from the fairy purse and giving it to the judge advised him to go and live happily in another country and he took the advice and went to england where he lived very happily meantime Evier made himself very often invisible he could do so by a wish and heard many secrets and much that amused him but he was too honorable ever to repeat anything he thus overheard he was often invisible in the king's cabinet and one day he heard the queen say to her husband are we not unfortunate in having tito for our eldest son we are amassing great treasure which he will spend when he becomes king now mirtillo would save and increase it is there no way to disinherit tito and make mirtillo king we must see about it said the king and if we can't prevent tito's having the crown we will bury the treasure so that he shan't spend it evier heard the courtiers constantly speaking evil of tito and praising mirtillo in order to please the queen then they would go to tito and tell him how they had taken his part to the king but tito to whom evier told the truth only laughed at and despised them there were however four great noblemen at the court who were men of honor these always took tito's part but never told him they had on the contrary they advised him to love his parents and be very obedient to the king about this time a neighboring king sent ambassadors to ganguet on an affair of importance the queen according to her custom did not mean that tito should appear before these strangers she sent him to a beautiful country house belonging to the king because she told him the ambassadors might wish to see it and he must do the honors of it to them then she prepared for the interview she had an old velvet petticoat of her own made up for the backs of the robes of ganguet and mirtillo the fronts were made of new velvet for the queen thought that as the king and prince were seated no one would see the backs of their dresses to make them magnificent she used the diamonds found in the meddlers as buttons for the king's robe she looped up his cap with the large diamond out of the egg the diamonds taken from the walnuts were employed as buttons on mirtillo's collar and sleeves the king and prince were quite dazzling in the light of the diamonds ganguet and his wife sat on their throne and mirtillo at their feet but the ambassadors had hardly entered the room before the large diamond changed to an egg and the others to walnuts and meddlers the ambassadors thinking that ganguet and his queen had dressed themselves so ridiculously as an insult to their master 
left the presence in great anger saying that their sovereign would soon teach king Gengay that he was not a king of walnuts it was in vain that the ministers tried to explain matters to them they would not listen and returned to their own country Gengay and his wife were very much ashamed and very angry it is tito who has played us this trick said the queen we must disinherit him and leave the crown to mirtillo i willingly consent to do so replied the king the next moment they heard a voice say if you are wicked enough to do it i will break all your bones the king and queen looked at each other with surprise they could see no one yet someone spoke close by it was Evie, who was watching over the safety of his master meantime when king violent had heard from his ambassadors that Gengay had turned him into fun and insulted them he declared war against the miser king Gengay was dreadfully frightened for he was a great coward but the queen said don't distress yourself we will make tito commander-in-chief he is rash and brave he will get killed and we can then leave the crown to mirtillo the king thought this a capital plan he appointed tito general of all his forces and gave him full power to make war or peace tito having arrived on the frontiers of the kingdom resolved to await the enemy there and employed his troops meanwhile in building a strong fortress in a narrow pass by which alone the country could be entered one day as he watched the soldiers at work he became thirsty and seeing a house on a mountain opposite he climbed up it to ask for some water the master of the house who was named abor gave him some as the prince was coming down the mountain he saw a very pretty peasant girl sitting down by a trickling brook she had an expression of great innocence and sweetness in her dark eyes and a very modest manner when he spoke to her she told him that her name was bibby and that she was abor's daughter the prince chatted a long time with her and after that day called frequently at abor's house for he was never so happy as when talking to bibby she had been well educated and talked well of books which the prince loved and he found all her sentiments and opinions good she appeared also to be a very obedient and loving daughter so at last prince tito said to himself if i were my own master i would marry bibby she is not born a princess but she has so many virtues that she is worthy to become a queen every day he loved bibby better and one day he wrote a letter to her to tell her so but bibby who knew that she ought not to have letters of which her father did not know took it at once to abor when he had read it he told his daughter that she could not marry a prince and bibby said that she knew it and that she would be glad to go away and visit her aunt who lived at some distance for she loved the prince and did not wish to make him do wrong abor sent her away the next morning prince tito was very sorry when he found that she was gone 
he told abor that if bibby would wait he would marry her and make her queen when he was king and that he would not ask to see her till he was crowned at that moment the fairy in all her beauty appeared in the room the prince was very much surprised for he had seen her only as an old woman prince she said i am the old dame you so kindly helped you are an honorable and excellent young man and bibby is as good a girl you shall marry her in two years but during that time you will have trouble i promise you that i will pay you a visit the first day of every month and i will bring bibby with me the prince was delighted with this promise and determined to gain a great deal of glory to please bibby king violent soon afterward offered him battle and a hard fight ensued tito showed great gallantry he won the day and took violent prisoner his officers advised tito to seize violent's kingdom at once but tito said i will not his subjects who love him would be unhappy under a foreign yoke and there would be no peace in the kingdom there would be continual war no i will give violent his liberty and let him return to his people he is generous he will become our friend and his friendship will be worth more to us than his kingdom tito was right violent set free without paying a ransom was charmed with tito's generosity and swore eternal friendship to his conqueror tito returned victorious to his home but was received by his father with violent reproaches the king had expected that violent would have been made to pay a large sum of money and was furious with his son for not making him pay it tito who loved and respected his father was so grieved at his displeasure that he became ill one day as he was alone in bed forgetful that it was the first day in the month he saw two pretty canaries fly in at the window and was much surprised when suddenly they changed into the fairy and his dear bibby he was just thanking the fairy for her visit when they heard steps approaching and both became again canaries immediately afterward the queen entered followed by some of her attendants and carrying a great cat in her arms a pet of hers because it cost nothing to keep and preserved the food from mice as soon as the queen saw the canaries she exclaimed that they ought not to be left loose they would spoil the furniture the prince said he was going to put them in a cage she replied that she meant to have them taken at once as she intended to eat them at dinner the prince in despair besought her to spare them to him in vain the courtiers and servants hastened to take the canaries a valet knocked poor bibby down with a broom the prince sprang from his couch to save her but it seemed that he would be too late for the great cat escaping from the queen's arms was about to kill the canary by a blow of her paw when the fairy taking the form of a large dog sprang on her back and strangled her then taking herself and giving bibby the shape of a little mouse they ran into a small hole in the skirting board and disappeared the prince had fainted in his agony lest bibby should be killed 
but the queen took no notice of him she only loudly lamented the fate of her cat she hurried back to the king and told him that she would kill herself if he did not revenge the death of her pet that tito was the friend of sorcerers and that she should have no rest unless he was disinherited and the throne given to mirtillo the king consented and told her that he would arrest the prince the next day and have him tried for witchcraft the faithful Iveille had made himself invisible and followed the queen he now hastened to warn the prince the fright he had suffered had quite cured his fever and tito was about to mount his horse and escape when the fairy again stood before him i am tired she said of the wickedness of your mother and the weakness of your father i have at your disposal a large army go and take the king and queen in their palace and put them in prison with mirtillo then you will at once ascend the throne and marry bibby madam replied the prince you know that i love bibby more than my life but even the hope of marrying her cannot make me forget the duty i owe to my parents i would rather die than turn my arms against them let me embrace you said the fairy i did but make trial of your goodness if you had accepted my offer i would have given you up but now i am ever your friend and will give you proof of it take the form of an old man and in this shape travel through your father's dominions and see for yourself how many injustices are committed on your poor subjects so that you may do them justice when you become king Iville shall remain at court to give you warning of all that happens in your absence the prince obeyed the fairy and in his wanderings saw things that made him shudder justice was sold the governors cruelly oppressed the people the nobles robbed the peasants and all was done in the name of the king at the end of two years Iville wrote to tell him that his father was dead and that the queen had tried to have his brother crowned but that the four faithful nobles had opposed it knowing from Iville that tito lived and the queen defeated had fled with her son into a province that she had persuaded to revolt from its allegiance tito retook his own shape and returned to his capital at once where he was gladly received and acknowledged as king then he wrote respectfully to his mother offering to her and his brother a good income if she would not encourage the revolt the queen who had assembled a great army answered that she would take nothing less than the crown which she would tear from his head but shortly afterward she heard that king violent had espoused the cause of his friend tito and was advancing against her with a large army undeterred by any of the considerations that stayed tito's hand in despair she then wrote to her son accepting his offer of an income thus tito remained peaceful possessor of the throne shortly afterward he married bibby to the satisfaction of his subjects who knew her goodness and strewed their path with flowers pleased that he had taken a peasant bride 
there were no such king and queen before or after in that land as tito and his queen who taught by adversity in their youth could feel for all and were ever ready to help and console those who needed help or consolation tito as soon as he had ascended the throne began to reform abuses and re-establish order in his dominions to achieve this result he gave directions that any who had to complain of injustice were to come before him and state their wrongs and that not even beggars were to be refused admission to his presence for said this good prince i am the father of all my subjects poor as well as rich at first the courtiers were not much concerned at hearing this discourse the king they said is young this whim will not last he will soon tire pleasure will engross him and he will leave the management of his affairs to his favorites but they deceived themselves tito by careful management of his time could do his duty perfectly and yet find leisure to partake of innocent pleasure while the punishments inflicted at first on wrongdoers prevented any repetition of such offences he sent ambassadors to king violent to thank him for his ready friendship and that king returned answer that he should be delighted to see tito again and that if he tito would go to the borders of his kingdom violent would meet him there as all was tranquil throughout his dominions tito willingly consented for the project was favorable to one he had previously formed that was to embellish the small dwelling in which he had seen his beloved bibby for the first time with this intention he ordered his officers to buy all the land surrounding it but they were not to compel anyone to sell his property for every one tito said ought to be master of even the smallest heritage violent arrived on the frontier and the two courts were united and became very brilliant violent had brought his only daughter with him elise so she was named was as beautiful as bibby and almost as good tito had brought with him not only his wife but also one of his cousins named blanche who was not only fair and gentle but also very witty as they were ruralizing the two kings declared that they would cast aside the etiquette of courts and live on equal terms with their subjects that the nobles and ladies should sup with the two kings and the princesses and that no one should address the kings as your majesty if they did so they were to forfeit a guinea it was their first supper in the country and they had not been seated at table above a quarter of an hour when a very shabby little old woman appeared in the room tito and Evie, who at once recognized her rose to greet her but by a warning glance she told them that she wished to remain unknown they therefore simply presented her to violent as one of their best friends who had come to ask them for some supper and violent bowed courteously the old dame without ceremony however at once placed herself in an armchair close to violence which no one had dared to take before from respect to the king as she seated herself she said to the prince 
as our friends friends are our friends i am sure you will wish me to be at my ease with you violent who was by nature very haughty was embarrassed by the familiarity of the old woman but he concealed his annoyance they had told the old lady of the fine for styling the king's your majesty but she was hardly seated before she said to violent your majesty appears surprised at the liberty i take but it is my habit and i am too old to be cured of it now therefore your majesty will pardon me a forfeit cried violent you owe two guineas do not distress yourself your majesty said the old woman i had forgotten that we must not say your majesty but your majesty forgets that in forbidding people to say your majesty you impose another kind of restraint on them they must always be thinking of how to avoid using the common form of respect however i now owe you six guineas and here they are and she took out a worn old purse and threw six guineas on the table violent began to get angry but out of consideration for tito he restrained himself and said playfully well my good mother do as you please whether you address me as majesty or not i am not less your friend i quite believe you said the old woman that is why i took the liberty of speaking my mind to you i shall do so whenever there is occasion for one cannot do a greater service to one's friends than to tell them when they are in error but you must not rely on my patience replied violent there are times when i do not choose to receive correction acknowledge my prince said the old woman that you are not far off one of those times at present and that you would give anything to get rid of me such are our heroes they would scorn to show a lack of courage in face of the enemy or to yield a battle without a brave struggle but they own calmly that they cannot control their anger as if it were not more shameful to yield to a passion than to an enemy whom it is sometimes impossible to overcome but let us change the conversation since it is not agreeable to you and allow my pages to enter they have some gifts to bestow on the company at the same instant the old woman struck the table and there entered by the four open windows four beautiful winged infants each of them carried a basket full of jewels of astonishing richness the king at the same moment casting his eyes on the old woman was surprised to see that she had changed into a lovely lady so richly dressed that she dazzled the eyes ah madam he exclaimed i recognize you now as the fairy whose medlars and nuts cost a war pardon the little respect i have shown you for i had not the honor of knowing who it was that sat beside me that should show you said the fairy that you are bound to be courteous and attentive to all guests at your own table but my prince to show you that i am not offended i wish to make you two presents the first is this goblet it is made of a single diamond but it is not that alone which renders it precious every time that you are tempted to fly in a passion fill this goblet with water and drink it three times 
and you will find your anger give way to reason. If you profit by this gift, you will have rendered yourself worthy of the second. I know that you love the Princess Blanche. She likes you, but fears your temper, and will only marry you if you will promise to use this goblet. Violent, surprised that the fairy should know his faults and inclinations so thoroughly, acknowledged that he loved Blanche. But he added, there is an obstacle which opposes our union, even if I could obtain Blanche's consent to it. It will always be a pain to me to marry, for fear of depriving my daughter of a crown. That is a generous feeling, said the fairy. There are few fathers to be found capable of sacrificing their inclinations to the happiness of their children. But that need not prevent your marriage. The king of Mogolan, who was one of my friends, has just died childless, and by my advice he has left his kingdom to Evie. Evie is not a prince by birth, but he deserves to become one. He loves the princess Elise, and she is worthy to become the recompense of his fidelity. If her father consents, I feel sure that she will accept him without repugnance. Elise blushed at this speech. It is true that she thought Evie very amiable, and that she had listened with pleasure and admiration to the story of his fidelity to his master. Madam, said Violent, we have taken to speaking frankly. I esteem Evie, and if the custom of my country did not tie my hands, I should not require a crown for him to give him my daughter. But men, and above all kings, should be bound by that which is due to their rank, and it is not the habit of royal fathers to give their daughters to simple gentlemen. I should act contrary to all the traditions of my house if I married mine to one. Elise is descended from one of the most ancient families in the world. You know that for three hundred years we have occupied the throne. My prince, said the fairy, you are ignorant of the fact that the family of Evie is as ancient as your own, for you are relatives and descend from two brothers. In fact, Evie has the precedence, for he descends from the elder brother and your father from the younger. If you can prove that, said King Violent, I swear to give my daughter to Evie even if the subjects of the late King Mogolan should refuse to recognize him as their sovereign. Nothing is easier, said the fairy, than to prove the antiquity of Evie's family. He is descended from the eldest sons of Japhet, the son of Noah, who established himself in the Peloponnesus. You are descended from the second son of Japhet. Everybody felt inclined to laugh at this mockery, but Violet flushed with anger and was about to speak when the Princess Blanche, who was at his side, presented the diamond goblet to him. He drank of it three times as the fairy directed him, and, during the interval, he reflected that it was quite true that all had descended from Noah, and that the only difference between those descendants proceeded from their characters. Having emptied his goblet, he said to the fairy, 
I thank you, madam, for having cured me of two great defects, my pride of birth and my habit of passionate anger. I admire the virtue of the goblet, for while I drank, my anger was calmed, and my reflections between the three draughts have completed the task of recalling me to reason. I will not deceive you, replied the fairy. There is no magic in the diamond goblet. I will tell you in what the sorcery of the water consists. It gives time for reflection, and no one who pauses to reflect can become the slave of anger. In truth, madam, said Violent, I have learned more today than in my whole previous life. Happy Tito! You will become the greatest king in the world under such a protectress. I beseech you to use your influence with this lady to induce her to become my friend. Have I not given you proofs that I am your friend, said the fairy? At present, let us think only of your marriage and of that of the princess, Elise. At this moment, a servant informed Tito that the officers he had sent to buy Bibby's old home and the adjoining lands wished to speak to him. He commanded them to be admitted. They entered, bringing with them the design of the estate that Tito had given them. They had added to the cottage a large garden and a great park, which would be perfect if they could remove a little house, which was exactly in the middle of the finest avenue, and completely spoiled the effect of it. "'And why have you not pulled it down?' asked King Violent. "'Sire,' replied the officers, "'our king has forbidden us to do violence to any man, and the owner of this small dwelling will not sell it, though we have offered for it four times as much as it is worth.' "'If that insolent fellow were my subject, I would hang him,' said Violent." You would first empty your goblet, said the fairy. I think even the goblet would not save his life, replied Violent. Is it not horrible that a king should not be master of his own estates, and that he should be obliged to abandon a work he desires to finish through the obstinacy of a man who ought to be too happy to make his fortune by obliging his master? "'But I shall not abandon my design,' said Tito, laughing. "'I shall make that house the chief ornament of my park.' "'Oh, how can you?' asked Violent. "'Placed as it is, it will spoil the park.' "'This is what I shall do,' replied Tito. "'I shall build round the house a wall sufficiently high "'to prevent this man from entering my park, "'but not so high as to shut out his view.' for it would not be just to shut him up in a prison. This wall will continue on both sides, and there will be read on it these words in letters of gold. A king who built this wall prefers leaving it, and the cot it encloses to spoil his park, rather than commit an injustice on one of his subjects by taking from him by force the heritage of his father's. "'Everything I hear amazes me,' said Violent. "'I confess I had very little idea of the virtues which form heroic men. "'Yes, Tito, that wall will be the ornament of your park, "'and your good action will be the ornament of your life. 
but madam to the fairy how is it that tito possesses naturally such great virtues great king said the fairy tito was brought up by parents who detested him he was subject to perpetual contradiction he had to submit and give up his own will to that of others even in things indifferent and as during the late king's life he had neither wealth nor influence courtiers and flatterers did not deign to spoil him they would have gained nothing by it they gave him up to the honest people who loved him for himself alone and from them he learned that a king is free to do good but should have his hands tied when he would do harm you who became king at twelve years old never underwent this discipline or any other your guardians only looked to your future favor and never corrected your faults they called your pride proper dignity your violence vivacity and thus they spoiled you violent convinced of the truth of what the fairy told him and instructed by her in his duties endeavored to fulfill them and to conquer his faults he was encouraged in his efforts by his wife blanche by Evier, who became his son-in-law and by tito who preserved on the throne the virtues he had learned in the days of adversity End of section 10. Recording by Linda Johnson.